it's not very common that you have one family that yeah. controls something forever. And even the Coopers, with 120-plus descendants now from Thomas Cooper in 1862, yeah. it's a complicated beast because <laughs> it's oh, not 1862. It's all good, Tommy. Uh, so uh, welcome to another episode of the Drinks with Jackson podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jackson. And today, sitting in front of me is Tommy Delmont from uh, Fixation Brewing. How are you, mate? Good, Jackson. Thanks for having me, mate. How are yeah. you going? Yeah, cruising, buddy. Cruising. Uh, spent the night in Geelong. Not used to the uh, traffic of Melbourne coming from regional Vic. Oh, it's a joy, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, at least it was a swift, you know, hour and a half up the highway. From Geelong, but um, you can just thank your lucky stars. You don't have to do that every day. Oh, hundred percent. But yeah, you come off a bit. What come off second best after a few beers last night, mate? I'm enjoying Pint of Origin, which is a crafty pint. My old friend James Smith, uh, his festival of uh, beers, and there's I think twenty something venues, and we were at the regional Victoria venue, the Cherry Tree Hotel, last night, enjoying a tipple, and after that, the uh, Japan. Um, a pint of origin venue known as bench warmers in uh, North Melbourne. Very nice. Very nice. Well, uh, can you just give listeners a bit of a rundown as to who you are and what you do? Uh, yeah. My name is Tom Delmont. I am co-founder of Fixation Brewing. Um, Fixation Brewing started in 2015 and my role is um, pretty much everything except for um, brewing all the beers and packaging all the beers, but um, selling um, or helping to sell the beers with the sales team and driving the sales team, marketing, designing new beers, um, working with artists, um, planning events and hosting events. So we've got an event next week, the Great IPA Debate. Yeah, um, saw that. Debating uh, the ins and outs of... That's with uh, Three Ravens, Hop Nation. Yep, Bolter. Bolter. Um, we have Akasha coming from Sydney and Little Creatures. Ah, And uh, the three topics are East versus West, Hazy versus Bright. Round one. Round two. Me and Duncan, Hop Nation, non-alcoholic IPA, should it be a thing? He's got to say yes. I've got to say no. And then the last round is Scotty from Bolter and Bill from uh, Three Ravens arguing why ice cream shouldn't be associated with IPA. Ice and, cream IPA. And Three Ravens have a creamsicle IPA. Yeah. And uh, Scotty from Bolter is saying that shouldn't be associated with IPA. I, I had a ice cream, an oat ice cream IPA from Palling Brothers right. over in Heathcote. And uh, the review on that, it was like uh, bringing back – it tasted exactly like a Paddle Pop ice cream. Wow. And the the description or, like, the feedback was pretty much, you know, bringing back a positive memory in a childhood full of traumas. You've done well on this one. <laughs> and, and and maybe that's it, the just bringing back memories and flavours. Like the other day we had a pastry sour at Carwin, which is the American pint of origin, and it was like nerds, you know, nerd lollies, sour but sweet and this beautiful sort of – Fruity lolly aroma and um and yeah you know, just so much fruit in it. Um, but uh, one drop do a really good sour. sour. Oh. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so it's um maybe it is. It's partly that nostalgia, you know, bringing back um you know memories from when you were younger. Yeah. So uh, this joint it's been open since 2015. No, we started the brewery in 2015. Yep. And the brand we sold the beer in keg only for the first six months, and then gradually did some bottles of IPA back then. Didn't do anything else except for the classic fixie IPA, so right. 6.4% and um, the four American hops and all that sort of thing. We just did kegs, like I said, and then eventually did some pack. 
didn't have a home for the first three years and then built this in 2018. Sure. We had and a year and a half of trade and then it became a packaging, mini packaging delivery uh, warehouse centre yes. and a takeaway bottle shop called The Hop Stop and we did like 40 different limited release cans, delivered them to all our best buds, which are our beer club members and, um, yeah, and just sort of kept this place ticking on because this is not set up as a packaging hall. We do our production beers in our packaging and production brewery. This is set up to just make pilot beers just for here. Yep. So without having people in here with COVID six times. What um, are they, 1,800 litres? Uh, so the, these, the hot liquor tank and cold liquor tank are thousands, but the brew house is about seven heck, and yep. so 700 litres, and then the fermenters and bright tanks are about six hecks. Yep. So we end up with about 10 kegs of finished beer. Very nice. Yeah. And we've done 250 different beers in here yep. in five years. Gee whiz. Yeah. Killing it. Pretty much a new one every week. <laughs> oh, so good. Uh, previous to this, you oh, were the goat? I was the on-road goat. The, the on-road uh, goat. The, the road first, goat. The first ever uh, goat pounding the pavement, knocking down doors, yep. um, telling people why they should sell Mountain Goat and Hightail and Steam Ale. And, yep. um, yeah, just an awesome little family business at the time when I started I think there was six people there um and you know we were had a handful of pubs in Melbourne and yep. um and it was just a great uh eight years there and then now it's eight years here so good so good uh so this is a joint venture can, uh, you, re- can you go into that at yeah, all yeah yeah of course yeah yeah absolutely so when we started this business the um three founders of Stone and Wood Brewing yeah I knew um, by being a friendly competitor. Just um, up from up in Byron. You from knew Byron. Them, gee whiz. Yeah, because um, they were coming to Melbourne a little bit and selling Pacific Ale and um, starting to pop up at festivals and things, yep. and I was selling Mountain Goat. So um, we were friendly competitors, always got on well. Um, I actually visited Matilda Bay eons ago when I was in my old role as a, a federal government employee for the quarantine service, and they were looking at importing hops. So I actually sort of had a little of a bit of a connection to a couple of people at Matilda Bay, which is where the Stone and Wood guys came from yep. and uh, and CUB. And so when Mountain Goat changed ownership and it was time, you know, it was like mum and dad selling the farm and saying, move out, kids. It's time yeah. to go and get your own place. And they said, um, what would you like to do? You're looking at, you know, doing something else. And I said, oh, yeah, well, I am. And, uh, and they said, well, we've, you know, we've sort of wanted, we'd love to, team up and we've got a great idea and and but we need someone to sort of lead the charge and very different to stone and wood in that we focus on big bold hoppy ipas right so everything is different to stone and wood's main core range which sure. are really beautiful smashable balanced easy drinkers that are yeah, yeah, yeah. under five percent generally speaking and you know if you you crawl out of the the water in byron bay it's those, those perfect beers and what i was going to do was six and a half percent seven percent ipas and you know, throw shit tons of really good hops at it, and um, and so that was the uh, that was the plan. And uh, so sorry, you're right. And um, and and so we started out with just kegs and just and just um, fixy IPA and no packaging at all. And before I left Byron Bay on the first sort of meeting and planning session, I already had my first ten pubs that I wanted to have the beer in in Melbourne. So yep. and and that's how we sort of um, started. And I think that's a great way to start because people try your beer in a pub and then, you know, six months later we did the first lot of bottles and it took us all day to get 200 cartons 
I knew where every one of the 200 cartons was going as well. Sure. In just, you know, good bottle shops where hopefully people might then know the beer after they've seen it in a few pubs over yeah, gotcha. six months prior. So it was a really slow and steady way to start a business and a brand and a, you know, and a new brewing company. But it was a great way to do it because it meant that we had one tank initially in Byron and that was our tank and we'd empty it and then we'd fill it again the next day. Three weeks later, we'd rack those kegs and fill it again. And then gradually those six tanks in that brewery, which was their original shed, all were full of IPA at the end, which was good. So it was like it became the IPA shed. Yeah. And, um, you know, we didn't take any shortcuts on on that beer and, you know, never did. And, and uh, yeah, and just an awesome experience to um, to work with those guys. So, yeah, it was a joint venture um, where I was, you know, a partner in the business. And then um, about 18 months ago, um, the boys after – 30, 20 to 30 years in the beer industry. Um, they, you know, had sort of got to that stage where they had to build a massive brewery to continue. Um, it's that scalability too, being yeah. able to service the demand yeah. in an efficient manner, eh? Yeah, yeah. And and that's when the next roll of the dice was a really big matzo ball. It was going to be a big one. And uh, and that's when they chose to, you know, sort of exit the industry and, and you know, still, you know, leave a great legacy but um, – but, you know, not take that next massive risk of building a huge brewery and Lion actually took the keys to the, the, the fermenting. Kingdom, yep. yeah. And, um, and so the story continues just in a new chapter. Sure. So do you report to Lion essentially now? Yeah, was well, yep. So I'm in the marketing team essentially. I've always been a bit of jack of all trades prior, but now it's more brand management, marketing and driving the business and innovation for Fixie. Yep. Uh, and I work closely with my mates at Stone and Wood, but we're in a separate a separate business essentially and we report to the same marketing manager. And prior to that, um, you know, we were sort of on the operations board and leading the Fermentum business. So it's actually, a, it's kind of a nice balance now. It's a bit less uh, stressful than it was, um, you know, when you're sort of dealing with all the, the last few years of oh, craziness. And, and yeah. now it's... Um, you know, it's it's still definitely fun and and different, but it's uh it's a yeah like you, like I said a little bit less stress than the the first uh, seven years <laughs> six years. <laughs> oh, so yeah. good! Oh, that was a pretty awesome introduction, mate. <laughs> I can talk all day. <laughs> what uh, makes this brewery unique to others in the area? So, it's a pretty special kit. Um, just the actual setup. We this is a gas you know, driven, steam-driven brew house. So for a small brewery, not many people do that. Yeah, steam-driven. Um, do you... We've got a little boiler behind yeah, you, do you right there. There's a little boiler. What's um, your maintenance team like? Yeah, well, they have to service the boiler because um, that's part of the regs of having a boiler. You yeah. have to have it checked um, monthly and um, a water feed tank and all that sort of stuff. But this this setup's a bit different. A lot of small breweries like this scale would be either electric kettle or a direct fire sure. gas burner. So to have a steam jacketed brew house means that you know we have really good control over the, oh, the brew and temperatures, and I guess what makes this space unique is we don't cook food, we don't worry about you know anything else really. We have pretty minimal other drinks. It's pretty much IPA, yep. um, the church of IPA, I guess. So um, you come here and there's ten or twelve taps pouring mostly hoppy beers they'll occasionally we'll always have something sour and something dark or malty but yep. 
the the vast majority are going to be a range of hops, which we'll have to taste in a minute. But that's the the difference is that it's not going to have a lager, you know, all the time. It's not going to have a porter yeah. and an amber ale yeah. and a pale. It's sticking it's, strong to your roots. It's fixated yeah. on IPA, the story, and uh, and I guess also it it's what we love to make and we love to drink. So if we've got a big red IPA, you know, maybe a, we've got a Coffee India Brown Ale at the moment, so a brown IPA. Um, we've got always something, a couple of hazies and big, you know, hazy, juicy things. And then West Coast, maybe a double and some session IPAs as well. So a session hazy, session bright. And so you've got a real mix of beers that um, play into IPA land, but it shows the diversity within just IPA, right? Oh yeah, and and so that's um that's the difference, I guess, is that we're not trying to do everything in sure. styles. It's 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 definitely a double edged sword that some people go not really big on IPAs, and it's like, well, maybe you just haven't found had the right, the right one. one. You yeah. got to keep working, and uh, and also they're not all about crazy bitterness and you know crazy hops. So um. So yeah, I think uh, that's probably the difference, and it only holds about eighty people here. Um, it's a so good size. Yeah, yep, yep. It's, it's yeah. perfect. We got um, enough space to hold good, fun events. Yeah, like resin fest, a hop harvest event every year. The hops are still drying on the rafters from that in March. Yeah, and then, but but not so big that you need a kitchen to do palmers and all that stuff. We work with a pizza place three doors up. They run the food down. Some of the bowls of, bowl of chips, they come from three doors down. Talks, the tables talk straight to their system. Uh, and uh, and so we don't have to worry about running a kitchen and all that crew. We just focus on making sure people have a good experience and learn a bit about the brand and the beers. And It's a bit of a good way too, like collaborating with another small business. Yeah. Yeah, those guys have been from day one, Red Sparrow Pizza, um, which is amazing, plant-based wood oven pizzas. And um, delicious and yeah. nice people and, and, you know, it's something totally different and I'm sure they do a way better job of food than we would ever do. 100%. No, it's good. Like sticking to your wheelhouse and I can appreciate how you guys specialise in IPAs. It's, you, you're not going to go to KFC for a steak. You know what I mean? It might be. <laughs> Maybe a chicken steak. It'd be pretty shit. <laughs> yeah. But, but they might do. You know one. what I mean? Yeah. Like do one thing and do it well. I, I think that's one thing that craft breweries have – Learn over the especially as the industry's evolved, right? Like, so if you go back to 20 years ago, um, everyone needed a mix of those four main styles you know, the, the lager, the pale ale, the amber ale, the stout, yeah, or whatever, uh, maybe a Hefeweizen back then. And that's changed. And, and often breweries have one beer that ends up being the powerhouse, yeah. Right? Is and that still the fixie for you guys? Is that your flagship or signature beer? We're we're a weird little thing, right? We're actually three main three beers. The obsession are four point six percent of Mosaic Simcoe Galaxy, most of water beer I've ever been a part of. For and just a really nice, bright, crisp session IPA, pale, whatever you want to call it. Four point six. That beer is the third Little Ray, the five point two percent hazy IPA that um, is loaded with El Dorado and Galaxy but low bitterness, that beer is a third. And then the Fixie IPA, the classic OG, is a third. But that's mainly kegs and a little bit of cans. We, we're always fresh cans, but a little bit. Little Ray's 50-50 and Obsession's mainly cans. Right. So so it's a real mix. So i got kegs here, a split, and then mainly packaged there. So Hell it's yeah. different. Whereas most breweries would have, like if you went to Cooper's or, um, you know, 
some of those that make, like even Bolter and Little Creatures and Mountain Goat and Stone and Wood, there's one beer that's 90% of the, the beer yeah. they make. And then the other stuff is that 10% of fun and different stuff, whereas we're a weird one that's a third, a third, a third at the yeah. moment. So I don't know, it might it's change. Not, not a bad way to go either. It's kind of cool. It's not like the easiest way to manage it because you've got to try and make sure you've always got fresh kegs and fresh cans of, you know, this – the various products in, in we only sell obsession kegs in Melbourne yeah as well um but the other two are you know a little bit up on the east coast and a little bit in SA and WA so um and our mate in Tassie Kyle legend um but um but really small you know um amounts in the other states sure which is kind of good if it's fresh and people order it then we send it gotcha gotcha how do you come up with new recipes and experience or experimenting with new flavors, new yeah. flavor profiles? Because for me, I think like anything with the galaxy hops is if I turn a can and it's got galaxy hops in it, I'm sticking it straight in the basket. I'm going to be trying it. You love it? Like, oh, I love it. Yeah. Um, that's one of the uh, Australian success stories of the hop world. Yeah. The last, yeah, yeah. Galaxy's been the most um, amazing development in Australian hops in, you know, probably it would have to be 60 years, maybe longer, 80 years, because it was prior to Ringwood, right? It was just bittering hops before that being grown mainly and, you know, a couple of European varieties. But when the guys at HPA developed Galaxy in uh, the 90s, it wasn't grown commercially for another, you know, almost 20 years. But in 2009, when it actually was rolling out commercially and, and scaling up, um, that's when it started to take off. And at the same time, Stonewood Pacific Ale started with just Galaxy Hops as a single hop beer. And that beer and that hop variety grew together. And every brewery I've ever visited in the last six years in America, wherever I go, they say, can you get me more Galaxy? And I go, can you get me more Mosaic? Trade-off. And we do a swap. But now they've scaled up enough that they've, Galaxy is is all over um, in in small quantities all over the world, and it's it's amazing because it is a different hop, and it's it's a signature passion fruit, stone fruit. It's a great hop, and um, different to you know the American and European varieties and New Zealand stuff. Yeah, but yeah. So um, in terms of coming up with new recipes, so I didn't answer the question at all. Just started talking about Galaxy, falling in love. Um, it's uh, we, we look at the taps, we look at the mix of beers, yeah, and we look at what what we want to balance the taps as well and also what we want to play with and if there's a new ingredient or if there's a new hop. So the other day we had Sam Bethune, our old innovation brewer, come down and share some New Zealand hop varieties, some brand new ones. So we've got a beer with Superdelic, which is a really sort of, they call it candy. We should say lollies in Australia. Um, that lolly, fruity sort of note that's different to stone fruit, pine, resin, mango, that sort of stuff. So we've got a beer called Ghost Chips, which is a New Zealand hazy with Superdelic and Ruwaka um, from memory. And so that'll be a way to just go, okay, let's play with that hop, see what it does in a beer. And then there was a, all the brewers, guest brewers were here and we're like, oh, we've actually got a beer you can try while we're talking about that hop. And that was a – so sometimes it's a new ingredient, sometimes it's a new malt, sometimes we want to play with a yeast strain from a new little – yeast supply that started up sometimes we want to go we need a red but we're not happy with the last one so let's do a nice red but we want to nail the color 
yep. a little bit better. Or you want to play with some Gladfield, Shepherd's Delight, you know, malt or something else. So it's it's a balancing act between making sure the taps have got a nice mix and what do we need to do for innovation. Sure. As well. And that innovation pipeline feeds into what becomes the Freshly Hatched series. So the, the incubator, this is a brewery, it's called the incubator. It's yep. Fixation HQ. And once every three months, two months, three months, we do a can release of something that started here that's then been scaled up and uh, after its incubation, it's now freshly hatched to the wider world, right? Gotcha. So that's when we would scale it up to our production brewery and put it in cans and kegs and do a, you know, probably a, ver- a version that's about five or six times what we could do here. Yeah. And that's, um, that's a fun thing about it. And it was always a different artist. So actually that makes me think we should drink the latest one, the Double Down Brown, the Coffee India Brown Ale, yep. which is the first collab we've done in the Freshly Hatched series. In And that's number 11 of the Freshly Hatched. And it's with Small Batch Coffee. And Small Batch Coffee started in North Melbourne. They owned the Auction Rooms Cafe. They started that. And Andrew Kelly came in to talk about coffee last weekend. And we worked with him. He knows the farmer that grew the coffee, father and son, in Ethiopia, that grew the coffee that we used in the beer. They roasted the coffee 90 minutes before it went in the fermenter. Um, and Sean tasted eight different coffees twice with them to decide on the right coffee to mix with the hops, the balance of malts. We used a little bit of brown sugar. Uh, and it's uh, just a beautiful brown ale. So, um, so that's the kind of thing that we can do here, and then we can scale it up if it, if it's something we we think yeah, it's yeah. worthy. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we can always hit pause and uh, have a crack. Let's do and it. And come back. Awesome. We'll be back. And we're back. <laughs> so we did have a taste of the ghost chips, yep. which is eight uh, percent. Yeah, the super delic um, New Zealand. Hop with Ruaka and a bit of Nelson Savon, uh, yeah. but all New Zealand hops and that different character, right? Like it's quite a different aroma to yeah. classic fruity stone fruit, passion fruit, pine, resin. It's that lollies that I was describing. Yeah, very um, Moorish or like umami. I yeah, think that's quite it, yeah. different. Yeah, so um, that's, um, you know, and everyone gets different things from beers. Different it's, beers, yeah. It's subjective, but, um, but that was uh, a nice one. You want me to tell them to be quiet? <laughs> nah, it's all good. It's all apart. So uh, Sean, the uh, head brewer, has just come through. So he's doing what I could only imagine, what, pH or acidity tests? Let's find out. Hey, Sean. Um, Jackson just said, what are you doing? What, what tests are you doing on the beer? Just checking gravity, pH. pH, yeah, conductivity, yeah. yeah. Good stuff. I'm, I'm quite familiar with stainless at the uh, cheese factory. So, yeah. He makes cheese. So what's the um, beer that you're checking today? That's the white Russian. Ah, right. So, yeah, like a um, white stout. Which is kind of like a white stout, I guess. Like a, yeah. Yeah. So good. Fun one. Bit of a pilot test out. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's probably the beauty of this joint. Like the amount of, you know, uh, limited release or seasonal beers that you do push through. Yeah. You know, you can really... Uh, pluck the ones that you love and then scale it scale if, it if need be as a yeah and we very and occasionally it becomes a permanent beer like little ray was started as a tank here yeah and now it's all year round in cans and kegs and you know all over the grounds and it's sold in sunshine coast to perth yeah um but that was a beer that started as a tank here and we just watched the tank just get drained so quickly we went we should brew that again and 
then it just kept getting, you know, really quickly enjoyed by lots of punters. And, um, and that's how it started, Little Ray, uh, Little Ray Sunshine, the, the hazy 5.2. But um, what, you know, what we also do is we don't dump a lot of beer either. Like even if it's a pilot and we go, yeah, this is kind of interesting, people still taste it and enjoy it. And it's not it might be something we do again. It might be something we change. Or it might be something we never brew again. But very maybe once a year, there's something we don't, you know, end up putting through the taps. Yeah. So it's not, um, it's not that common to dump something. But it's also it's we're not scared of having something that we just go, yeah, that's not quite right. Okay. Worst case scenario, we start again. Because that's why it's called the ideas, like the incubator, the ideas brewery. So yep. it is a pilot brewery to test out um, pilot batches. Oh, 100%. And you never know what you're going to get. You can definitely uh, taste like the uh, flavour profile of the uh, Double Down Brown. Like obviously there's the coffee, but since pouring it, it's almost like darker Mm. As it slowly warms up. I, I like the malt character. There's that sweet, almost like... Definitely stewed. got that brown sugar on the back end. Yeah, a little bit of that. Because that brown sugar ferments out, but it leaves a little bit of that toffee, molasses, um, caramel. Yeah. But then you've got the beautiful malt um, as well. And I think about six different malts. Um, but you got that nice sort of biscuity um, character as well. And then, um, and then hopefully that's a nice launching pad for the... The hops, which is a dry hop with Simcoe, Simcoe in the Whirlpool. Then um, the Ethiopian Halo Hatumi, which yep. is Halo Hatumi coffee. And that is roasted by a small batch. And then that's in the fermenter just for a few days at the end. Oh, so good. The, um, the story is said, obviously, when you're uh, up in New South Wales, obviously, you know, everyone who's coming off the beach or off the surf is you know, getting stuck into a stone and which sits around that five, five and a half percent and you wanted to sell beers that were, what, seven, eight percenters? The first pilot batch of Fixie IPA was 7.1. Yeah. Uh, Pacific Ale was 4.4. Four, yeah. So there it's is that. Bigger. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I think it all comes down to the execution of the beer. Like, there's no alcohol burn. Like, this is as sessionable as a four, four percenter. Obviously, yeah. you're going to take a tram home or a taxi, but... Well, especially if you have a couple of them. Oh, um, for sure. But, but you I, could put away, you know, six of these. Like, oh. I, I agree. I think um, we can go big on booze. Like, there's some beers we'll go eight. 8.2% is the fix, the double IPA. We've done a beer called Max Volume that was 11.3 or something. But the key with a big beer, if it's 8 9%, whatever, is to have that balance and drinkability. For us, that's that's the true test of a good beer. It's not about always smacking people in the head with flavour if it's not well-balanced. That's it. But if it's well-balanced and drinkable, then I think you can turn it up to this is 7% and I just think it's, um, yeah, sensational. And I think 7% is a sweet spot for ABV if you want balance of flavour and drinkability. Some people would say that's too strong. I think it's perfect for a great IPA. Yeah. Each year we uh, head up to Sydney, dress up as Richie Benno uh, for the uh, New Year test. And last couple of years we've been going inland to Katoomba and nice. hitting up mountain culture. Awesome. They do lovely neepers. They're legends. Like 
thicker than Lizzo. These things, you know, you could stand a spoon. Like they are delicious. I enjoyed at least a couple of pints of uh, their one of their beers at the Rainbow yesterday. Um, yeah, and. We went to their fest, beer festival last year. The guys had us up there. We brought up a special beer for it and some fresh kegs of the 86 and we drove up the Hume Highway to work at the festival. Hell yeah. And uh, they are just great. And, yeah, DJ and Harriet and yep. the whole crew uh, um, making great stuff. And as even as they're scaling the beer and scaling up and making more of it, I reckon their quality is awesome. Yeah. They're not they're not losing out anything no. as they grow. No, uh, which is a hard thing to do as you yep. get bigger and you make more beer, even of the same beer, you know, like whether it's Steam Ale or Creatures Pale Ale or Pacific Ale or Fix the IPA or Status Quo Mountain Culture, you've got to try and nail that character. And I think they're doing a great job of it. And, um, yeah, hats off to them. We love them. They're yeah, awesome. I'd love to get them behind them. Like, hopefully. Yeah, mate, mate, well, they're here in Melbourne. Time. They're here in Melbourne now. Yeah. They're here for Gabs. At Gabs, yeah. yeah. We're all going to be there and on the, maybe not coffee brown ales all day, but we'll be, we'll be down there. <laughs> on, on something. And uh, props to them as well, like the status quo, winning uh, Gabs Hottest 100 last oh, It's awesome. Yeah. yeah, incredible. Do you have anything uh, up your sleeve? Do you have anything for Gabs oh. in Melbourne? We, we are having a year off. Having um, a year off? Yep, yep. We have uh, been there many years, yep. um, over my 16 years in the good beer world. Yep. And this year I'm just enjoying it as a punter. So I get to That's just good. go and have a few beers. So we will probably will be back next year. We've just got to uh, make sure I've got the uh, the big stand ready to go and, and I'm ready to talk for three days straight. But I'm, I'm looking forward to enjoying it and just tasting some rad beers and seeing yeah. my mates today because it's be sort fun. of a trade day. And and there's so many uh, interesting styles. Like there will always be some – and I think the quality is awesome. And I think if you don't have fun at that festival, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, It's awesome. Yeah. You touched on our best buds. Uh, obviously, it's a good way of connecting with customers through what I can only assume a subscription. Yeah, it's a beer club. Um, yep. And we always wanted to do a beer club, but COVID kind of forced our um, our ideas to happen a lot quicker because we were trying to make sure we stay con- not only connected to our drinkers, but I wanted to build this inner sanctum of members. And we have about 200 best buds. Jesus. And um, they're just great, engaged people that love to come down and taste beers and, and we do sensory sessions where we'll learn about faults in beer. We'll do um, a new hop – we did a hop products, so new hop products and innovations in the industry that are supplying craft brewing yep. and they talked about what those ingredients are like and uh, we, we actually then did dosed our beers um, on the table to give hop oils – and, and just with a toothpick, just a tiny amount in a beer. And we learned about infused malts, which are coming out, where they've, the malts have a flavour in them. Yeah. But as they're, as they're going through that malting process, they're infusing them with flavours. And this is an amazing idea that this Australian um, lady, uh, Crystal Peck, who yep. works for Bort Malt, came up with. But it's just such a cool thing. And she lives in Belgium and she works for this massive malting company. But she's um, developed this totally new innovation in malt. So, so there's lots of cool innovation. So we do that with Best Buds. We do 
little brewery crawls. We'll do like tasting sessions. They get the first crack at the can. I saw that the uh, Collingwood beer trail. Yeah, they get to do that sort of stuff. Come, let's go for a walk to a few local breweries together. Um, let's buy a few beers and and um and just yeah, really lovely bunch of people that um that understand that. You know, good beer is a community, right? Oh, it is. Mm. I think that's what brings people together. Like, I know there's a lot of pushback as far as, you know, don't drink and drive, alcoholism, all the rest. But it can also bring people together. Like, it, yep. you know, you, you're pushing back and it, it probably ties back around the fact that, like, the affiliation there with Lion mm. and Kieran, like, yes, it's a macro. Yeah, make a lot of beer. But this is the micro edge. And even though it may hold you, you're the marketing guy and the sales guy, like, is it 13% is micro? Uh, for craft beer in Australia? Beer? Yeah, that sounds about right. I think we were, there was a time we were trying to one day get to 20%, but it, I reckon we were probably, yeah, around, get that, there. around 13. It yeah. sounds about right. Like, it's, it depends on what you classify, right? Like, yeah. it changes so much. Because yeah. if you just look at the Independent Brewers Association, then. Well, you can't include like things like Bolter and Little Creatures mm. and Stone and Wood now. Yeah, but they are craft beers. They're they're flavour driven beers. Yeah, one hundred percent. And so, so if you include all of those and Coopers, where does Coopers sit? Right. Yeah, I think they're now in the macro, and and it's just it, it, as a consumer, like I love all beer. Uh, I think there's a place in the market for every beer. Mm. If it's a forty degree day up in Shepparton. First thing I'm cracking open is a Great Northern because yeah. I can put back eight or ten of them <laughs> and still remember what I did the uh, in the afternoon. <laughs> you know it's what I impressive. mean? Um, but yeah. it's, it's um, I think every beer has a place, but and it just it sucks that you know that the 13 percent may rule out a, a brewery altogether as soon as they are acquired by bigger brand, yeah, a yeah. bigger brand. Yeah. Um, but then again, like a lot of these breweries are started with like three or four families or. Yeah, you know, three or four people. It's gross. Family, so they can't. There's no one family unless it's Sierra Nevada uh, or Coopers. They're yeah. the only two in the whole history of, you know, like big beer that they've made a lot of beer in their time that have been family controlled and family owned and still that way. And Sierra Nevada is an exception in America. Um, you look at some of the other big, amazing ones: Lagunitas, Samuel Adams, yeah, New Belgium. You know, like you keep going to shoots, yeah. Ballast Point, whatever. They're multiple families and multiple partners. So it's really, it's not very common that you have one family that yeah. controls something forever. And even the Coopers, with 120 plus descendants now from Thomas Cooper in 1862, yeah, it's a complicated beast because <laughs> it's not 100%. 1862. You know, that's it. And you know, it, I think you have to start branching out because you can't be a jack of all trades in a competitive industry and like you, you I mean, need what to do you mean by branching out you need to branch out and you know i need someone who's like for resources you know i need the best in sales i need the best in brewing mm. for it all to stem from like a family and who they can network with yeah and to maintain the scalability, as you touched on with Stone and Wood, how they essentially didn't want to deal with the big beast that it had to become. The next brewery. The next brewery. Uh, I think, you know. Yeah, I think um, there's something to be said for um, 
you know, big breweries that make good beer. And the big breweries and every craft brewer around the world, when you talk to them, they go, the big guys make great beer. They make it consistently. Like, it, okay, it might not be the first thing you choose. Like, you don't always choose a northern or a, yeah. you know, mainstream lager. You know, if you're in Flavortown Craft Beer World. But you know that it's going to taste the same every time. Yeah. And as a brewer, consistency. You, you have to respect that because that's a really hard thing to do. When yeah. Even if they're making 800,000 litres at a time at the VB, you know, yeah, Abbotsford plant and mixing three brews and, you know, all that sort of stuff, it's a big, big batch. But, you know, if you, yeah, you've you got to respect consistency and that's where even all the American brewers as well that make great beer, they, they hats off to the, you know, the Budweiser's and the Miller's, the Coors, the Blue Moon's and... and and that's where you go, wow, Sierra Nevada still using whole cone hops, you know, to get to that scale. Is that that Hoptimum or Torpedo beer? Well, whole, that they every had, beer they do is whole flowers. You know, they're, yeah, Hoptimum, uh, Torpedo. I couldn't, I couldn't believe, like, the molasses flavour that come from those. Like, yeah. they were, I think, 10 percenters. Narwhal. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I just stick to their pale ale. I, I don't pale. mind the Sierra Nevada, but I, I just stick to the pale ale. Like, the, the, the big boozy beers, it's, yeah. The pale ale, when you get that, um, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, tasting fresh and good is an amazing Delicious. beer. And that is a great example of an American Pale Ale, uh, like Little Creatures Pale Ale yep. for Australia. It is hats off, like beautiful beer. Do it's, you know uh, Bill in, Burr, the comedian? Yeah. So he actually said on the Joe Rogan Experience, uh, one of his favourite beers ever was when he was touring, touring Australia and he went to a brewery in Fremantle. And yeah, little creatures, pale, pale, which which is which inspired is, by Sierra Nevada yeah. and, and Bridgeport. So Phil Sexton, who started Little Creatures, went to help Bridgeport when Bridgeport was a big, pretty big brewery in the nineties in um, Oregon, Portland. Yeah, and he went there and helped that brewery in between Matilda Bay and Little Creatures. Right, and he then came back after that time at Bridgeport, and from what I understand, I don't. I've never spoken to him about it, but I believe he was consulting and help, consulting and helping Bridgeport, you know, evolve and modernise. And he came back to Australia and realised I need to make a great American style pale ale, but fresh and local, sure, and live in the bottle. And he was the first person to import American whole cone hops, you know, consistently and regularly to the Little Creature site in Fremantle. Right. Which, if you haven't been there, that is mecca for beer drinkers. Yeah. And that's how – so, so you're, you're right. Like, if, if, if Bill Burr – and he's a, he's a quirky guy, funny guy. Yeah. You know, that is – if you haven't been to that shed on the water in Fremantle go. and you like beer, yeah, you need to – Put it go. on the list. It, that's worth going – just that is worth going to Perth for. Gee whiz, four-hour flight. <laughs> and turn around and have an hour okay, there and come home. Yeah. Uh, can you talk about any awards or recognition that the breweries received? Oh, man. Wow. We're, we're, we're pumped with um, – it, uh, it's hard because it's like the, the – you, you don't like to blow your own trumpet too much, but our beers have won a lot of awards and some of them are on the wall here. Yep. But it's – when I say awards, it's – I think it's an award for the production team and the brewers the guys that make our beer i get to sell it and talk about it but they make it day in day out so i go 
the production team actually win the awards, we get to look good by selling that beer or helping to get that beer out there. But we've won the only we're the only brewery that's ever won the consistency of excellence trophy twice, and we've and no one's ever won it once other than us. So it's IPA. The Fixie IPA got it in 2018 for three years in a row, gold in the same category at the AIBAs, which is about to happen next week. The yep. biggest beer competition in Australia and the biggest beer competition annually in the world. Um, and then, and run by the Royal Agricultural Society of Victoria. And then Obsession won it in 2022, I think, for three years in a row because they had a year off. There was a year where the AIBAs didn't happen because of the spicy cough. Yep. And then they it won it three years in a row. I think it was 18, 19 and 21. Yep. And Obsession. So those two beers, IPA, Fixie IPA, and we've brewed it and we've had to work in different breweries, different setups, different brew houses. But that's a huge accolade for our, for our brewing team. Um, golds, golds, golds. The 86, the hazy we do here at 6.2 percenter, which is not on tap at the moment, but it'll be back soon. That's named after the tram out the front. That's one gold. Squish is one gold. Um, so we always, we think that is a good indication of beer quality and um, consistency, which you, you cannot fluke, you know, those kind of things. Those judging panels, there's 75 judges plus. They're some of the best, best palettes, you know, in beer in the world. Um, and they do it by category, by style. And, and, and they've just done the judging this week where they've tasted over 2,800 beers. And that I think that is that's a true test, and it's not about that doesn't help you sell beer, but what it does do is help know that you're making great beer. Yeah, it's a pat on the back. Yeah, for the production guys that work, imagine like day in day out, you're just trying to nail this. Yep. Make the best freaking thing you can, and then when you get that, you go, awesome. Yeah, it's a certified pat on the back. Yeah, the, the production team. It's in. It's no. Bullshit. No one's paid for anything. No one knows what the label is. It's no not one, a popularity no contest. No one even knows what beer they're drinking, right? Like it's yeah. in a glass. It's a totally blind tasting. And there was, there's about 400 IPAs in the classic IPA category. Jesus. Um, so How do the, I become a judge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you should, oh. you should, well, you keep, keep learning, man. You can definitely do it. It's, um, I'm sure it's a, Fun gig, tough gig. I, I, I've never wanted to go down that path. I think I probably should, but I've always just wanted to enjoy beer. As it is. And not get too bogged down in acid aldehyde or diacetyl or, you know, sulfur or whatever, DMS. You know, not get really into compounds that might mean that I just analyse beer too much. Sure. When I should just just have a beer, man, and chat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you uh, attribute the success to? Ooh. For Fixie or for... Fixie, the uh, beers, incubator. Hard work. Hard work. Hard fucking work. Good stuff. Yeah, I think like there's no there's no easy way to be successful in, you know, this game. The Mount, Okay, here's the Mountain Gate guys, right? So they were going for 10 years before I worked there and I was the first sales rep. Yeah. So for 10 years, they, they sold rep. everything. They delivered it in the fucking wagon. Yeah. They went and... Brewed at Grand Ridge for the first few years and would drive it back. And Dave was working at Grand Ridge Brewing out in Merbu North. Um, Cam was doing another job managing bands like Frenzel Rom and shit like that. So 
you know, you gotta go. It's it's there's no fluke. Like the stone and wood guys, the little creatures go. It, they, yeah, okay, they make great beer and they started great brands, but it's also hard work. Like it's oh, yeah. pounding the pavement. It's out there having pints. It's you know talking to publicans. Oh it's, yeah, it's not um, shying away from that. And if you want to sit at home every Wednesday night at five o'clock and you know see the kids and watch who wants to be a millionaire or whatever. That's not the game. This is not the game for, for you because yeah. it's it's hard work. But if you you know you want to build a great brand, and I was hanging around with the Goodland guys from uh, Traugan last night at the Cherry Tree, and they're good. They've he's worked in breweries in Edinburgh. He's worked in you know Demolin over in Europe, and I think it's in Belgium. But great, he's made amazing different beers, and then he's gone and done that. You know, and he was at Mountain Gate when I was there drinking and he goes, I recognise you from Wednesday nights at Mountain Gate in 2010 or something. Yeah. I go, yeah, I was there every Wednesday night because I worked there. Yeah. And I was hosting pubs and bars and bottle shops. And he's gone and done that and now he's learnt from the, some of the best in Europe and he's come back and started a brewery. He's going to make good beer and I reckon they will succeed because he's, done the, he's doing the hard work. Yeah. They're delivering it themselves from Dragon. You know, they're um, every Friday coming in to Melbourne to drop off kegs and, you know, that's that's awesome. Hell yeah. Uh, any future plans or new beers or expansions on the horizon? Oh, we love um, – I love playing around with more approachable IPAs, I guess you'd say. Like a sure. Sma- well, I love like smashable 4. You know, 1, 4.3. Who doesn't? Because then you can have a few pints. Yeah. So we've got one called Easy Street and working on this one called Velvet Headphones, which is like sick, smashable, great hops, but 4.1, 4.3. It's good. So low bitterness, I guess, but really hop forward, hop aroma, um, big dry hop, but and enough body to carry it, but on a nice low alk base. So not low alk, low alk is... For us, that's that's yeah. light for us. That's a light beer. It's, it's a bit of a movement that's coming through too, I think, as well, as as far as like the responsible drinking thing, like yeah. uh, low elk, no elk even. Yeah, we're not talking about like doing a non-elk beer. No, just low elk. Yeah. Um, the debate will be fun when I get to debate with Should be good. Duncan about... That's on the 26th? 24th, 24th of May. May. And, and when I tell Duncan that he's slapping the brewing gods in the face by making <laughs> non-elk IPA, but mind your head... You know, is there and and it's great because it does give people an option for flavour and not. But this is, I guess, I talk that four percent range. You know, that kind of stuff is what I see playing a role in IPA world. Yep. Um, and it definitely, there's always going to be the seven percenters and the six and a halfs and the fixie OGs and the mountain cultures, the big stuff. But I think it's 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 nice as as craft beer drinkers also get a bit older. You sometimes go. Don't need to feel shit in the morning. Mm. I might need to take the kids to football. Yeah. So hundred percent. Or you gotta be Sean and you gotta come in here bright and early to test the beers. Yeah, you might have to come and test the gravity on some brews that are happening and you know Yeah. Taste it. Um finally, so we'll try and well slowly wrap this up. Yeah. Uh, what advice would you give to uh aspiring brewers or those looking to start their own brewery? Oh. Like I said. Go and do your research, you know, go and work in a brewery. Yep. Go and sell beer or deliver beer or brew beer. 
not just at home. Like, go and work in a brewery. If you really want to do it on your own, you want to start your own, you'll happily work for someone else for a year or two. Because in the worst case scenario, you're going to learn a heap. That's a good point. The best case scenario, it'll help inform you that, yeah, I definitely want to do this, or that is fucking crazy. I don't want yeah. to do this. And you this save yourself really a lot of heartache. A lot of heartache, a lot of cash, a lot of yeah. pain. Um, because a lot of people get into it because they love making good beer, not because they love running a business, looking after people, trying to sell it to pubs and talk about a brand they just could make great beer at home and enjoy amazing beer in their shed yeah so my advice is if you really want to do it make sure you go and work in it for a while and i did eight years at goat like i said that's a decent apprenticeship jimmy those guys at you know goodland did years overseas yep you know brad rogers from stone and wood did 20 years or 15, 20 years at Matilda Bay and CUB. Worked at Fiji, bit of, mate, you know, Matilda Bay with Bee's Knees and Alpha DJ Pale. from Mountain DJ Motus. Saw him last night. Oh, yeah, DJ, uh, he worked at Modus Operandi. Actually, Dennis, I saw last night. He's at White Bay. He was at Modus as well. They all have been around for, like, years brewing you know, for other people or running, you know, breweries or selling beer or, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and also if you don't love it, get the fuck out of the way. That's it. Hey, uh, where can listeners uh, see or hear more of you, Tom, and the team at uh, Fixation? Man, we're just uh, 414 Smith Street, Collingwood. Yeah. And it's, uh, what, Fixation Brewing on all socials? Yeah, for, at Fixation Brewing um, on Insta and Facebook and stuff. And then... Just drop into the incubator Wednesday from 4 o'clock to Sunday. So it's just Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yep. Saturday, Sunday is open at midday. Oh, and Friday. And then, um, yeah, wrap up around 10, but just drop in here and and uh, talk to Morris and the crew behind the bar and try try some beers and uh, get a tasting paddle or hoppy hour or whatever you want to do and um, have a bowl of chips and, you know, Think about how lucky you are to be alive in this time with amazing beer everywhere. That's it. Awesome, mate. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for having us. See you guys. Bye.